0: Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. We welcome anyone, uh, anyone into this church and uh, we've been looking at uh, as a as a community a series on when jesus met and different people and so today we're going to look at when jesus met his disciples there we go uh, love the uh, pa team the sound team and those that do all the visuals give them a round of applause all the unseen um i got an i, I got promoted today i i I was on the PA team for a little bit today, and uh, so I got a bit of a promotion. Um, but we're looking today at when Jesus met his disciples, and we're going to look at a few scriptures today. Um, yeah, I think we'll get through them. Uh, but the main one we're going to look at is Matthew 4, when he calls his disciples. And so we're going to read. We have some Bibles at the back. If you don't own a Bible and you would like one, just take one with our compliments. But the words are going to come up on, the, up on the screen. Use your smartphones. Use your... Uh, if you have paper, copy of a, of a Bible, use that as well. Uh, but uh, let's read Matthew 4. And it says, uh, while, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, Uh, He saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And again, hear this phrase, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Uh, So we're looking at, we're going to hone in on this word, this phrase that Jesus said, come, follow me, follow me. Um, What does it mean to follow Jesus? And what we're going to look at today is uh, we're going to look at four things really, of uh, what, uh, what it means, what are some of the practical implications of following Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and so I think, I think the text answer answers that question. So number one, I think the next slide, number one, uh, I'm going to try and go through this as quick as possible. I've practiced this a few times. Every time I've my eyes out, so I'm hoping I've got all my emotions out. Um, Otherwise, we could be a while. Um, (sighs) (laughs) Number one, a true disciple lives with this radical abandonment to Jesus. And first, uh, I I just want to say, number one, first, I guess, uh, the, the, the scripture here, what it means to live with this radical abandonment for his glory. And if we go back to Matthew 4, it says... Um, right before Jesus meets his disciples, he, he says some phrases and he says things like, Repent, for uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as many of us know, this word repentance, this kind of a, a biblical word, we don't really use it on a Monday in your GP surgery, but we, we say this word repent and it literally means to renounce, to acknowledge, to confess your sin to express sorrow over your sin and to turn, to make an about turn um, and renounce your sin from yourself. The Greek word metanoia also means a change of thinking, to make an about turn in your thinking. So the, this word repentance has a, has a behavioral impact but also a, uh, a cognitive impact. Jesus says later in, in Luke 14, he says, and any of you who da- does not res- renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This kind of renouncing is all over this passage in, in Luke. Uh, and if you think about what these disciples were renouncing, what they were giving up, what they were abandoning, uh, what they were leaving behind, also I think it just helps us to, to think about them. And so I want us to think about them for a minute. They were leaving behind their comfort. They were leaving behind everything that, they, that was familiar to them. Everything that was natural, they were leaving behind. So they were leaving comfort for uncertainty as they began following Jesus. What was interesting is Jesus didn't tell them where they were going. He just told them who they'd be with. Uh, And there's a whole, I spent hours thinking about this bit. There's a whole sermon on this. Followers of Jesus don't always know where they're going, but they know who they're going with. We don't have time, we don't have time for that. But just this powerful, just this powerful thought that they just, they don't know what they were doing. They don't know where they were going. But they certainly were leaving behind their comfort. Number two, they were leaving behind their careers. Um, This abandonment of their profession for these guys um, was remarkable. Uh, Just, I I, I, I want us to think through their lens at the moment. Leaving behind their comfort, their careers, Leaving behind their possessions. So the the text says they dropped their nets. What we do know about these uh, these new early followers of uh, Jesus is that they obviously weren't the most economical elite in their society. But they had a boat. They had they had some they had a successful trade as fishermen. Uh, it shows for me what they what they had and the, and what they were going to lose in following Christ. Um, they, but they came and they had nothing in the hands. Uh, this is huge because what was common at that time is that people would attach themselves to a rabbi or a teacher. They would, they would attach themselves to a, to a teacher in order to promote themselves, uh, which is why you'd follow, follow a rabbi. So a rabbi didn't have to call disciples to himself but they would have a queue of people who would want to attach themselves to him because they knew if I, if I attach myself with a rabbi, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be given praise in my, in my society. The problem here with these disciples, it wasn't a step up, it was a step down. The rabbi that they would eventually, the rabbi they would follow would eventually uh, be crucified as a criminal on a tree and they were leaving behind their families. Uh, what we read in the text, James and John, they left their father. And again, they weren't the only ones to do this. In in Luke nine, Jesus says to a man uh, who wants to follow him, uh, but he wants to go back and say goodbye to his family. He says to them something quite quite harsh for me: "Don't look back. Don't go back to your family. Put uh, your hand to the plow. Look forward, and their family and their friends. Look for and their safety. They were leaving. This." is a rabbi and a teacher who wasn't giving them good news. He said he would say things to his disciples like, I'm going to send you out like sheep among wolves. That's not good news. <laughs> he says things like, all men will hate you because of me. They will persecute you. And so these early followers of Jesus were abandoning their safety. Uh, And as we said, it was obviously meaning that they'd had to leave uh, leave behind their sin as well. And this is the core of what it means to repent, turn from our sin. Um, All of this, uh, this point, all of this was ultimately uh, just about abandoning themselves. And this message, Jesus would say over and over again, if you're to follow me, you must deny yourself just think about our context. In, in our world, in, in London, generally, where everything a revolves around protecting ourselves, promoting ourselves, preserving ourselves, entertaining ourselves, comforting ourselves, taking care of ourselves, Jesus says, slay yourself. It's not good news. Don't buy it, though. So so many people have brought this idea that all you need to do is make a decision, pray a prayer, sign a card on the back of your seat, become a Christian, and you can keep your life as you know it. It's not true. It's really not true. You become a follower of Jesus and you lose your life as you know it. Again, I I, I spent a bit of time... uh, I was like, "Am I people pleasing? Am I being too harsh? Am I, am I going to offend people? Uh, I, I want to be careful. Based on the whole of the New Testament, uh, I'm not saying that every follower of Jesus must lose their career, sell, give away their possessions, leave their family behind, physically die, for the gospel. I'm not based on the whole of the New Testament, but the, he, the New Testament is clear on these things." For all of us that follow Jesus, comfort, certainty in this world are no longer our concerns. Our career now revolves around whatever Jesus calls us to do and however he wants us to use our careers to spread the good news of his kingdom. Our possessions and our money are not our own because we don't live for material pleasure in this world. because our, our hope and our, and our eternal treasure is in the world to come. We live for the eternal world to come. Um, so it could mean that any one of us selling things that we have. But our position and our possessions are no longer our priority. Um, let me just say about family, because there's some, there's some skewed bits that people might take from this. Again, based on the whole of the New Testament... We're commanded to honor our parents, love our wife and our husband, provide and protect and nurture our children. You can't use passages like this to justify being a lousy son <laughs> or a daughter or a lousy husband or wife or a lousy boyfriend uh, or a lousy parent or whatever, or, whatever, or whatever, you can't justify certain scriptures to justify your behavior. Uh, but where, whatever he says, we go. Knowing because our self is no longer a priority, uh, our safety uh, is no longer uh, our priority. Certainty is no longer our pursuit. Um, uh, let me uh, let me just uh, just go a bit deeper in this. Uh, as followers of Jesus, some of you followers of Jesus here. Uh, we mustn't bow to the safety of, of the altar of safety in the world. Do you know what that? You, I hope you get that. Uh, the scripture is really clear. We die to ourselves, we die to sin, and we risk our lives in obedience to Christ. And this is what it means to follow Jesus. We hold, hold things of this world really loosely. We hold comfort loosely. We hold our careers loosely, our possessions loosely, our position, our family, our friends, the safety. But we cling tightly to Christ. We, cl- we cling to him and the mission of his kingdom. That's what we hold on to. Uh, again, I, I, I tried to... I, was, I, I did a... You know when you need to do a find on your computer... And I was like, Have I put any shoulds in here? And I kind of <laughs> thankfully I didn't. But if you're hearing shoulds, please don't hear that. Hear this. Hear this Christ, who we cling to. Um, we we abandon everything in our life, uh, everything in our life that doesn't make sense, because we realise uh, who Jesus is. When you realise who He is. When you realize about Christ the King, we, when, we leave, when we leave, when we lay down, when we abandon everything in our lives in order to the, cling on to the thing that makes sense. I love the story in, in Matthew 13, Jesus tells the story of a man who's walking uh, into a field and he stumbles upon this treasure. A Great, great story, Matthew 13. Uh, I've sort of paraphrased over it. A bit. And he sees this treasure in the field and it's worth much more than anything that he's ever owned or possessed. Uh, So what does he do? He goes back and he... I don't know quite what that means. He covers it up. He founds this treasure, but he covers it up. He goes back and he sells everything. He gathers everything and he sells everything in order to buy this field. (laughs) And the text says, with gladness, he sells it. And all of his friends, his friends come to him and he says... Dude, you're crazy. Again, my paraphrase. <laughs> Dude. Uh, he said, what are you doing? Why would you sell everything just for a field? And he, said, oh, and he goes, I- there's a field over there. Like, you're going to buy that field? You're nuts. And he just smiles and he says, I've just got a hunch. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a hunch but he, what he does is he does it with gladness. He's abandoning everything with gladness. I, th- I think like, why is he smiling? He's just risking everything in order to buy this field, to be a, I don't know what, what's in the field. But he knows he's found something worth losing everything for. We, we've got this king who's worth everything for and to follow Christ, to live with this abandonment of his glory. Um, Point one. Okay. Um, (laughs) Point one. Point two. Point two. Uh, Maybe. Point two. Okay. So... Um, I was thinking about point two, maybe the next slide, Abby. So we've got point one, with, uh, which is as a disciple, we live with a radical abundance to Jesus. Point two is uh, it goes uh, like two tracks. The disciple, a true disciple of Jesus is someone who lives with this joyful dependence on Jesus. Uh, I, I just want us to feel some of this wonder of, of this joy. I mentioned earlier that in first, Jude, first century Judaism the disciples would people, would, would, people who wanted to be disciples would attach themselves to a rabbi to study under them. But what we see here, the beauty of what we see here is that these men didn't come to Jesus. Jesus comes to them. He initiates the relationship. As he does so at the beginning of the New Testament, he does, he repeats what God the Father has done throughout the whole, whole of the Old, Old Testament, God choosing Noah and Adam and Moses and David and Ruth and he chose the prophets. He chose Israel to be his people. And just as the Father chose in the Old Testament, we've got Jesus saying to his disciples, you don't, in John, John 15, read John 15. Oh my goodness, it's a fantastic chapter. Uh, he, Jesus says things like, you did not choose me, I chose you. And he didn't choose these guys because of any merit in them. He chose these people solely because of the mercy that he has. I was reading some of the commentaries of Matthew 4, and sometimes people would say things like, well, the reason why Jesus chose fishermen was because uh, they have this skill or this perspective on life or this is why he wants to, it's a metaphor of what he wants to do. If that's the direction that they went down and we go, we, I, I think we missed the point. Jesus didn't call these guys because of what they brought to the table. Uh, just like us as well. Think about us now. Jesus, he initiates the connection with you and I. We have nothing to bring to the table. I... Um, Uh, Back in January, I I climbed a mountain and just to be alone with God. And um, uh, for the previous 40 years, my dad uh, didn't choose me. And I had to initiate my relationship with my father. And I spent most of my childhood, teenage and 20s trying to find my father, trying to initiate contact with my father. And uh, my father never wanted, uh, sorry, his actions were never forthcoming, that he wanted, wanted a relationship with me. And uh, w- he died uh, at the beginning of this year, and I, I just felt God uh, invite me to be alone with him, and to, he called me up the mountain. And as I, st- as I stood up the mountain and as I stood with a bunch of sheep in a kind of an awkward awkward, <laughs> awkward moment, um, I just I, I felt as though God was initiating uh, my adoption into his family. As a, as a believer, I've been a Christian for, for years, decades, and uh, I just felt, for one of the first times, a true father, was, father God was initiating me into his family. It was a beautiful moment. I, I feel like I've come back from the Lake District, uh, like I'm adopted again. I'm adopted by God. Uh, I've, been, I've been reading Ephesians 1 again. And for those of you, we did a sermon series of, a year ago or so. We're, we're not going to do another sermon series on, on Ephesians 1, but it's a fantastic piece of scripture. Uh, and I think there's a slide, maybe I'll put it up there. Ephesians 1, it says, Blessed be the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Hear this, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I I love this phrase. He's predestined us for adoption. Just feel it right there. Before the sun was ever formed, (laughs) before a star was ever put into the sky, before mountains were put into the land and oceans were poured between them, before any of that, God Almighty, Father God, on high set his sights on your soul. And he purposed, he predestined to save you from sin. It's God's gracious initiative. It's God that uh, initiated this relationship. So nothing born in the Christian life is born out of merit. Everything is born out of his mercy. He takes the initiative to choose us. And then what he does is he provides us power to use us. So these words, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He he doesn't say, now go make fishers of men. He says, I am going to do this. My grace, you're going to be with me, and my grace is going to transform you. You see from these disciples, there's no way these disciples could carry out the commands that Jesus was going to give them. He would have to do do that in them, and he has to do that in us. I was reading one of the theologians, and he was talking about that Peter, Peter the disciple, and he said he's got a foot-shaped mouth. I quite like that. <laughs> but one day, he would preach the first Christian sermon, and 3,000-plus people would be saved in a moment. And throughout these, the, the disciples' lives, after Jesus was ascended, uh, he used James and John and Matthew and all of these guys Think about it in our, in our life. God, would you do the work in our life, in all of our spheres of influence? God, would you get the glory through us? Amen. Okay, number three. Number three, okay, I'm gonna be really quick on this. A, a true disciple lives with a faithful adherence to Jesus. This is all about obedience. This is all about being faithfully obedient to Jesus. Jesus is not saying, follow this path, follow these rules. He is saying, I am the path. I am the life. I am the way. Follow me. He's saying, it's me. It's not the rules. It's me. And he's inviting you and I into a relationship with him. Followers of Christ here. Jesus is not part He's not a part of our life. He is our life. Which then leads us into truth. Jesus says, I am the way. We follow him. We don't follow the the religiously. Okay, number four. Back on course. Number four. Okay, lastly. uh, I want to propose a true disciple lives with an urgency of his mission. Uh, To follow Jesus uh, a, uh, follow Jesus as a disciple. We live with this urgency of mission. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, and I just want to propose something new. A proper understanding of what it means to be a disciple leads inevitably to making disciples. Uh, I feel like uh, many, much of what we're trying to do is cajole people into going to make disciples disciples we're trying to cajole people into coming to healing streets we're trying to cajole people into doing natural evangelism it's foreign in the new testament to be ca- tra- cajoled it's it's a foreign concept in the new testament when jesus stood with these mount- uh, with these guys on the mountain matthew 28 the great commission at the end of matthew he didn't have to cajole these guys into into going and make disciples was interesting, I think we've got the slides there, Abby. I think we've got the, possibly, we've got the scripture. Yeah. Jesus took the disciples up to a mountain. And, and the mountain, you could see a vast array of people. Jesus didn't have to cajole them. He just said, stop and wait for the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit's power to come upon you. They'd seen Jesus. They'd lived with him. They'd seen him die on a cross, rise from the grave, and they were ready to go, ready to go. Um, And again, as a church leader, and we we meet with other church leaders, um, and particularly in a place like our church where we, we lean into, do you know what? Anyone's welcome. There's no rules for coming into church. Anyone is welcome to come into the church. And we have this perspective of uh, Jesus, he hung around with all kinds of people. And there's, as a church and as a Christian community, we want to welcome anyone. Anyone is so welcome. But as we talk with other Christian leaders, um, I think we've minimized the magnitude of what it means to follow him. I, th- I think we have. I think we have. And as a, res- as a res- result, we try to cajole people into going and making disciples. Um, what if we really understood what it means to be a disciple? We wouldn't have to do any superficial ca- cajoling. <laughs> We'd all be supernaturally compelled to give our lives to mission. Uh, it would have, it's impossible to believe the gospel and to know Christ and be silent. Um, Uh, Someone said this, and I'm just gonna throw this out. This isn't me, this is, I can blame someone else. A privatized faith and a resurrected Christ is practically impossible. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a fantastic theologian, um, he he talks about the cost of discipleship and the cost of non-discipleship. And he says, to, to live with radical abandonment for his glory, faithful adherence to his person, and this urgent obedience is costly. This could cost us and the people we lead, but I just want to submit to you this morning the cost of non-discipleship I think is far more costly. (laughs) Uh, The cost of non-discipleship for for us as followers of Jesus and the scores of people in church who are sitting comfortably under this banner of Christianity (coughs) But we've never counted the cost of following Christ. Um, um, If we settle with the casual association to Jesus, we miss out on his abundance and satisfaction and his joy that he's designed for us. But the cost of this nominal Christianity will be great for those who are lost in the world. great for our city the cost would be great for our city for people in our world who haven't heard the gospel Uh, because we're content just to um, with not making disciples our casual I'm speaking to myself my casual approach to Christianity uh, we're leaving people on the road to hell um and the consequences of my casual faith uh, and cultural Christianity are, are really tragic, urgently tragic. And so I just, I want to invite us with this view of the majesty of the king who's called us. Let, let us be abandoned <coughs> to Christ's glory. For some of us, we need, we need this peace. And I just want to invite some of you who have never... Uh, never uh, declared with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You've never believed in your heart that he has saved you. I want to just invite you to, to begin this journey of following Christ. I want to invite you to be dependent, just like the disciples. See, Jesus is coming and he's c- saying to each one of you, come follow me, and I just want to invite you to, to follow Jesus. Uh, but go on mission as well.